We live in a very peculiar uh, time in history, amen. And um, if we're not careful, we could lose sight of what God is doing in the world. But if we're also not careful, we can also lose sight of what God wants to do through us. And I am uh, believing that God wants to do great things through us. And I believe that with my whole heart, I, I believe that God has revival in store for us. And I believe that God wants to save this world through us. I want to stress us because a lot of times we think that the church is somewhere down the road when, and we forget that God gave us His Spirit and God gave us His anointing and God gave us His Word. Why? Because He wants to operate through us. He don't only want to just work in this world, but He wants to operate through the body that He embedded His Spirit in. Amen? Does anybody believe that this morning? A lot of times we feel like uh, somebody else has the power to do it. Amen. But I just want to let you know that you received the same baptism of the Holy Ghost that the Apostle Paul received. I want you to know that you received the same baptism of the Holy Ghost that the 120 received in the upper room. We did not receive any other Holy Ghost. We received that same Spirit. Amen. And if the Spirit of God lives in us, then there's no telling what can happen through us. I'm trying to get us to believe in us just a little bit, amen. I'm trying to get us to believe in the power of God that is operating through the church of the living God. I'm so thankful, amen, that God had mercy enough to save us. We talked about it this morning. We sing about it this morning. And I'm going to talk about it because we're going to have to rely on it here just a little while. Amen. If you could put my text up on the screen that says, Therefore also since, this is found in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Thank you very much, Brother Nick. I uh, really enjoyed both of the Nick's messages this, uh, this past few days. Um, I've always said it, and I'm so thankful that Brother Nick uh, reiterated it. And he said, before we are Republican, before we are uh, Democrat, before we are Anglo, before we are Hispanic, we are Christian above everything. Does anybody believe and think that way this morning? Amen. And I'm so happy that I belong to a church. And we sing, song, we sing songs in Spanish, we sing songs in English. And if there is another nationality that steps in here, we'll, well, I'm pretty sure we'll sing in their language as well. Amen. That's what it's all about. I better get to my text. Therefore, also, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. And sin which so easily ensnares us, 
And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. It says, this is how it tells us to do it. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. This morning, I... I I didn't know exactly how to, uh, I knew I was going to be talking about shame this morning. I had something else I wanted in mind. Uh, and so I didn't know how to exactly uh, just say shame <laughs> on the screen. But I was reminded that God's grace is sufficient no matter the ugliness of our failures and no matter the ugliness of of our sins. Does anyone believe that this morning? God's grace is sufficient. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Uh, some can experience shame for several reasons. Uh, some can experience shame for weight gain, being too skinny, uh, poor grades, poor choices, etc. And because of this, they seem to lack a sense of respect and self-esteem. I want to talk about a buddy of mine. Uh, his name is Noe. We went to Bible school together. And I remember our first semester, his dad's a pastor in Lemoore, California. And uh, his, his dad invited uh, some of us to come over and speak and preach. And so we decided to stay the weekend over at his house, and uh, it was great hospitality. And uh, they had a really smart dog. It was a, uh, an old, it was an English bulldog. I, uh, and I really enjoyed him. I really enjoyed hanging out around him. But he was quite a, a, a smart dog, and uh, and so as a rule, he was to be a good dog. And uh, but on occasion, on occasions, he did things that deservingly brought him guilt. Uh, he knew the rule, and when he had done something wrong, he always acted guilty. Uh, whenever they would get home from church, they knew that he had done something bad because usually what he did, he, he roamed around the house, and usually what he did, he'd run to the door, and he greeted them. And they knew that he had done something bad whenever he wouldn't do so, and uh, Usually, whenever that happened, they, they came to trash cans that were, you know, flopped over. They got home to a disaster in the bathroom. It was pretty funny because he would actually jump on the toilet, and my friend would just turn on the faucet, and he'd drink water off the faucet. So it was a really interesting dog. And so the thing is that he, he uh, whenever he did wrong or whenever he felt wrong or he, he knew he had acted wrong, he would tend to hide. And so the victim of a sexual abuse can also feel shame and in turn uh, some veer toward uh, promiscuity while, repeat, while repeatedly involving themselves with the same people that did what they did to her. Amen. And so in 1959, there was a young uh, foreign student by the name of David Lim. Uh, this young man flunked out of, out of the University of Michigan. 
and in shame he decided to disappear. For the next four years, he hid in the unused attic of an, Aunt, of an Ann Arbor church. During the winter, he would warm himself with a 200-watt uh, light. Uh, and and uh, during the summer, he would scavenge ice, ice cubes to keep him cool. And he also made uh, fans out of paper. The article called him... The modern-day Robinson Crusoe, he was a self-imposed castaway. While doing everything to conceal himself, he quietly prowled around at night and uh, just guess what he did to eat. He would come down, he would, he would just go in the attic, he'd come down and he would go into the kitchen and he would eat off the kitchen. And for a while, the, the church thought that they had ghosts. They thought that the, that the place was haunted. I'm like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know how you believe in the Spirit of God and believe that there's a haunting in your church. But they, 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 the, the article called him the ghost. And so, but this young man uh, uh, would disa would disa disappeared after he had flunked, and he went into this attic. And one, of the, one day in 1959, he got caught. And the way he got caught was that, that they heard some noise. And so they called the police. The police came and brought him out. And so he ended up, they ended up taking him to jail. He was, uh, he, was, um, he was from Singapore. He was a foreign exchange student. And so I just I, accidentally the young man made some noise, and the police that called and were called, and he finally was discovered. But in a way, uh, that poor dropout is like many of us who feel shame because of failure, because of mistakes that we've made. This man was living under conditions that he shouldn't have lived, amen, simply because he chose to run and he chose to hide. In a way, this is what we tend to do when we are experiencing shame. We tend to run and we also tend to hide, amen. And while we're promised life and life more abundantly we choose some we choose and we settle for something less this man could have could have just just said you know what i'm gonna face life i'm gonna i flunked i'm gonna deal with it and i'm just gonna go work and make a living amen but he chose to hide and so a lot of times whenever we hide we we we, we keep ourselves from experiencing everything that god has in store for us Amen. This affects our performance as a Christians, right? Because under guilt, it is very hard to testify about victory. Because under shame, it is very difficult to talk about a God that is able to help restore. Amen. And I believe that you can get the victory before this place, before we leave this place. Amen. Yes, shame is a painful feeling brought about by a sense of guilt, embarrassment, unworthiness, or disgrace. Amen. We've all felt discomfort, this discomfort at some point in our lives. Can I get an amen? And I'm going to share a story with you. It's quite humorous. And at the same time, I embarrass. I don't even think I've told my wife this story. <laughs> but I, I, I want to I talk about my fifth grade camp. I mean, oh, what's going on? What, where are you going with that? I mean, we've all felt shame, and you know. And so, as I was pre preparing this morning, as I was, I was, I was reminded of. I just want to let you know that I, 
that how human I really am. And I mean, I've been among y'all for a while, so you know quite human, how human I am, <laughs> man. But uh, at, at the age of, uh, I don't even know how old I was in fifth grade, um, growing up, I used to be a Peabody. A Peabody. <laughs> I just want to talk about that here for a second to let you know that how open I'm willing to be with y'all. And I experienced, I remember, I experienced a tremendous, I, I didn't know how to do it, Pastor. I didn't know what to do. Uh, uh, the, you know, the, the, the flyers were going out before fifth grade camp, and they, 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 they gave us the flyers, and I was like, man, I kept on going home, and, and like, uh, man, I don't know if I should give this to my mom. My mom's going to sign it. She's going to pay for it. I'm going to go into fifth grade camp, and then I'm going to have to go, and, and I, I, well, where am I going to sleep? Remember, I used to pee in my bed at night. So I just want to. Y'all enjoy here for a little while. I'm fixing to step on some toes. <laughs> I'm fixing to come around the corner. And I remember, Pastor, I, 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 I finally just, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go ahead and give this paper to my mom. I'm going to sign it. She's going to pay for it. I'm going to go to fifth grade camp. Man, I was so brave. I remember I was, here comes nighttime, you know, everybody's. And so I was like, man, I got to go to the office. You know, just laugh a little bit. I got to go to the office. I got my mom packed me some diapers. Faith grade. <laughs> Y'all just want to laugh. That's fine. It's okay. I might be helping some kids here this morning. Y'all going to make it. <laughs> yeah. Amen. And so I'd have to wake up in the morning before everybody. Go to that night. Put my diaper on. Wake up in the morning before everybody. I don't want nobody to find out. And then the day I'd play, you know. Now, allegedly, I had a lot of friends, you know, I still, I still didn't want to share that with them, you know, I didn't want to get bullied, I didn't want to get, you know, I didn't want to, I had a lot of friends, a lot of friends didn't actually were intimidated by me, I don't, I don't know why, but I, I had something to hide, amen, and so it, it, it crippled me, and it, it, I just want to let you know that if we don't deal with shame or we don't deal with guilt, it will mess up your identity, it will thwart your identity. It'll get you to a place where you think that you are unfixable. It'll get you to a place where you think that something is wrong with you. It will, and, 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 and all the while, we forget that there is a God that is able to change everything around if we're just willing to give anything up to God. Amen? And so I just want to let you know that you don't have to deal with shame and you don't have to deal with guilt. Amen. We sing about it this morning. There is a God that is able to help us. There is a God that's able to restore us. And yet this, and I know this, this was a, quite a humorous story, but I just want to let you know that's exactly what we do whenever we have guilt and when we have shame. We tend to go around and we tend 
to hide. Amen. And so God does not want, that is not the will of God. God does not want us to live in such a manner where we had to hide. Amen. God wants us to live out in the open. God wants us to experience an abundant life out in the open. It is not the will of God for anyone to hide their guilt, to hide their failures. I'm talking about a God that is willing to help you. A socialist by the name of Thomas Schaeff calls shame the master emotion, the one most difficult to get rid of. How many of you can experience that? I can say amen to that. I want to read uh, the account in Genesis chapter, verses, chapter 2, verses 24 to 25. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. It's quite interesting that the one emotion discussed in this one, is, uh, in, in, in this scripture, is viewed from a negative perspective. They were not and were not ashamed. But it would not remain so for very long because we read in the next verse uh, where the saying is beginning, it was introduced. And so uh, maybe the note, and may, maybe, just maybe, uh, uh, this was the, 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 this portion of scripture was included because one of the overriding characteristics of humanity since the fall is shame. And so, shame has been described as a deep, as a as feeling deep within, as a feeling deep within that makes us want to hide. And that is the that is probably an excellent definition, for we see this in Adam and Eve when they sinned. One, they heard the voice, and they were afraid, and then what they do, they hid themselves. Scripture only gives us a short dialogue, but I can just imagine the Lord thinking, "Why are you hiding?" Only yesterday you, you walked with me in the cool of the day. Why the change, Eve? Her response could have been, I feel shame. Adam, what about you? His response could have been, I also too feel shame. You see, guilt is a product of failure. Shame is a product of extreme failure or repeated failure. It debilitates us. It renders us useless. One is buried under, one can then become buried under the rubble of shame. But I feel, and I, might be, and I might be missing it this morning, that there are some people that need to deal with some issues that are holding you back from being used by God. There are some that are that I felt this strongly. There are some that are even hiding in prayerlessness because you fail him time and time again. Amen. It, it's time to trust and love the and love fall in love with the love of God and the mercy of God. And I just want to let you know that God is more interested in restoring you than he is in, in throwing you away. 
God is more interested in coming into your situation and helping your situation to wanting to turn around your situation so you can leave a free man. Why? Because if you leave a free man from your situation, you're able to testify about a loving God, about a powerful God, about a victorious God. God gets no shame whenever he throws somebody away. And I don't believe that God throws anybody away. God gets more glory whenever he takes somebody that the world throws away and then comes into its life and then turns it around and then uses them in a mighty way. This morning, I just want to let you know that you don't have to live in a condition of guilt or you don't have to live in a condition of shame. God is interested in taking your shame and taking your guilt and saying, yes, I just, all I need you to do is repent and walk away. I'll take care of the guilt. I just need you to confess and I'll take away all the shame. Why? Because I got victory and I got life and life more abundantly. Listen, folks, we live in a city that's probably bombarded with shame and bombarded with guilt. The only difference that we have is we have a God that's able to help us, amen? And I just want to let you know, and if we carry that, then we're rendered useless, and we are no help to the society that we are called to minister. I'm telling you, revival is for life, church. Revival is for us. And God wants to use us. And God wants to empower us. That's why I started like that this morning. I'm trying to get somebody to believe. I'm trying to, I'm trying to reach for somebody to let you know, yes, you might have failed. Yes, you might have fallen. Yes, you are experiencing guilt. But there is a God that's in this building that's willing to take that shame and willing to take that guilt Turn around and restore you. I'm telling you, Pastor, I believe God believes more in us than we believe in ourselves. I make mistakes, I fall flat on my face, but I believe God loves me enough to help me to pick me up, amen. And I still do not know everything that God has in store for me, but there's been seasons in my life where I've messed up and I've failed, and, I, and, and, and I've just committed just, just, just dumb mistakes, and I beat myself over for a long season, and God had to come and remind me, hey, I can take care of that. Why? Because there's still something along the road for you. I'm telling you, there's still more down the road for us. There's still more road down the road for you. I'm letting you know, if you just deal with whatever you you got going on, maybe it's not you, maybe it's somebody in the, maybe it's somebody out there, amen. But I felt strongly this morning that I ought to preach evangelistically, amen, that I ought to preach a message that would evangelize. Why? Because I feel that God is trying to evangelize us and is trying to convince us that he's not done with us, that he's not throwing us away, that he's still got some plans for us you just got to be persuaded that God loves you I'm talking about I'm I started home Bible studies and then started it started not going the way I thought it was going to go my wife said, why don't we start home Bible studies? And there was a season I was like, man, I, I, I just got tired. I just got, just, just I, don't, I don't know. I, I lost faith in it for some reason. 
And I got so discouraged. Uh, I, heard the te- I would hear the testimonies. I would hear, I'm, I'm being real with you. I'm being open. I'm being transparent because there's some ministries that are being buried under guilt and under shame. And I said, I'm just waiting for this coronavirus to go away now so that way people would, would want to do home Bible studies again. I'm ready for it. But there was a season that I got discouraged. Now God placed me in the Hispanic community. I just became friends with my neighbor, and I'm praying that God would give, him, God would give me favor and let me go into their house. I, I believe that he's a nice young man. I talked to him. I'm supposed to do some work for him. But I believe that God's going to open doors, and I just can't wait for this coronavirus to get away or for, you know, for the media to quit, you know, just locking everybody up. And yes, it is severe, and yes, it is. I, I believe that, and I think we ought to be careful, amen. But I also think that we can't be held hostage. We can't let our minds say, well, I don't know if God can do anything through this, I'm telling you, there are people that are experiencing more depression today than there was years ago. Or even last year, there are more people bound by alcohol and addiction today than the coronavirus. Listen, folks, that's opportunity for a God that restores. That's opportunity for a God that can change a hopeless situation, breathe life into it, and make a new life out of that. I'm telling you, this is setting us up for revival, Pastor. I believe that so strongly. There are going to be some people that are going to be so fed up with the condition that they're in, with the way that they're living, that they're going to have to run. It's so hard nowadays to run to somebody with truth. One media outlet says this. One reporter says that. One media outlet says this. You go to one website, it tells you this, 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 is, this is the information about the coronavirus. You go to a different website, it starts discarding that website. We're living in a, in a generation where truth is trying to be suppressed. But aren't you glad that we are in a church where truth is prevailing? Aren't you glad that we've got a book that no CDC, that no media reporter can discredit? I'm telling you, we've got the truth, and let us just continue walking in this truth. I, I started this morning, yesterday morning, talking about maybe the renewal of our mind. Maybe we ought to sit. It's, it's good sometimes to just get away from everything and let the book speak to you. Why? Because our mind needs to be renewed. And so, maybe I need to continue in this for just a little while. But I'm telling you, I, Brother, Brother Nick fessed up during this whole entire coronavirus, man. Okay, we, I took a break and I said, you know what? You know, I, I mean, I'm going to watch the videos, but I also took a break spiritually. And, and, I had to, and I had to wake myself to the reality that this is actually propelling us for the coming of the Lord. 
And if I'm not careful, I can lose sight of my salvation. And if I'm not careful, I can lose sight of everything that God wants to do through us and through me. Amen. And so this morning, I'm not here to define your disease without prescribing a medicine, a remedy. Amen. This used to aggravate me when people would get up and just beat us upside the head and they would give us the answer. Amen. Jesus Christ also endured shame. Isaiah 50 and 6 said, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and, and spitting. Crucifixion was slow and an excruciating death, often taking several days. People died of just sheer exhaustion. Beatings and scourgings, as we count in the Gospels, were designed to hasten the death, to bring death faster. It was a shameful display of nakedness and immodesty. Body, bodily functions were exposed and loss of control was also made manifest. When you, somebody was up there, they couldn't control their bowels, they couldn't control anything. It was, just, it was just a shameful thing to be hung up on that place. The powerlessness, the powerlessness of the victim was utter and it was also complete. To the Jew, the public shame was worse because there was a curse on anyone. They were taught from a young child that there was a curse on anyone that, was, that hung on a tree. This was, we find this in Deuteronomy 21, 22 to 23. You see, the crucifixion, the crucifixion was a humiliating death. People walked by the roads, the crossroads, and just, just kind of wagged their heads, just walked over and just kind of wagged and just... They looked upon the person in shame. And they also spoke derogatory of anybody that was hanging up on a tree. And so it's something shameful to, to experience something like that. And so normally one was crucified, had their, had, had, when somebody was crucified, they had their bodies thrown in, Jeru in the Jerusalem rubbish. It was a, it was a heap known as... Gehenna, and there was a valley, and it was cursed. This valley was actually cursed, and it was actually because it was a place where some of the some of the kings of Judah would go and sacrifice their kids. And so, whenever they would sacrifice their kids to to the, to uh, other pagan gods, and they would burn them, they would throw them. Uh, it, 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 finally, that place was just a valley that was cursed, and they called Gehenna. But that was a place that 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 their bodies were dumped. After they were crucified, I'm so thankful that ours was that ours went to a tomb, amen. But it wasn't always the case like that, and so uh, this is what our precious Lord suffered. He experienced he experienced every dimension of shame uh, more than any of us could even imagine. But I'm so thankful and I'm so glad that the story doesn't end that way. Come on, is anybody thankful that this morning? We all know, amen, that our God resurrected on the third day and is sitting on the throne today, amen. Yes, he went through shame, and yes, he, and he, went through, he went through what he had to go through so there would be blood, so there'd be, uh, there would be blood for, rede for redemption of humanity. You might say, well, what does that have to do with me? What does the crucifixion have to do with me? It has everything to do with us. Why? It says, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he might abide for, with you 
forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. And I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me because I live, ye shall also live. There is a, gener- there's a, there is a life generating source given to us when we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. God has a power to give anyone a new life and once he has given you a new life, he has a power to sustain it and to make it flourish and to bring an abound in joy and bring peace and victory. All, he, all you got to do is be willing to participate with him. Amen. And in Hebrews as the, writer, as the Bible says, it says, wherefore seeing we are also encompassed with a, with about so great cloud of witnesses that let us aside let us lay aside every weight and sin which so doth easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us and so yet there is going to be times that we are have to let go of our sin and the weight that's besetting us there's just some things that we've got to let go if we want to get ahead amen there's just some things that we've got to learn to just cut out of our life, cut out of our spirit, cut out of our heart if we are willing to go all the way with the Lord. Amen. And perhaps some may not have, some of y'all may not uh, relate to what I just talked about or addressed. But allow me to introduce you by, the young, by a, na- a young man by the name of John. His name is, full name is John Mark. And this, and this young man, it seemed to... There be there was a there's twin forces that were struggle that was trying to struggle to rule him. Sounds like us, amen. We also got twin forces that are one's trying to take us captive to the law of sin and death, and one is trying to give take us captive to life, amen. And so, Second uh, Timothy four nine through eleven says, "Do that do that diligence to come shortly unto me." For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. Uh, Crescens to Galatia, and says uh, Titus and Dalmatia. It says, Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable me, to me for the ministry. And so the individual who Paul is talking, who's Paul talking about in this, in this letter is referring to John Mark. John Mark had quite a history. It was his mother. It was at his mother's home that pray, that the that the prayer meeting was held when Peter was being held uh, in preparation for execution. That was a home. It was it was uh, it was John Mark's mom that was holding that prayer meeting so that Peter would not become executed. They were praying for him. It was at his mom's house, right? And so we we see this in uh, in Acts twelve. In 12, John Mark was used to real prayer meetings. He knew the power of intercession. John Mark's uncle was Barnabas, became one of the leaders in the early church. So John Mark was a, 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 a he, was, he had ties to the supernatural and to apostolic ministry. He wasn't, he, he had ties to, to, to the supernatural, amen? And so I want to talk about a little bit of his extra biblical uh, history and this is what you could find in sources outside of the Bible. These are, these are not in the Bible. You can get you can get uh, commentaries, but commenta- commentators say that uh, 
refer to the talk about Mark uh, as a that okay so sources say that the last supper was held in the upper room of her house and that it was the same room that the disciples waited to, for the pouring of the out, without pouring of the holy ghost and so mark's mark's house was a place where they also received the baptism of the holy ghost the, the church 120 man but but mark wasn't always talked about in in a in a positive manner <laughs> mark had a, a, a had a another side of him you could say and so it is believed by many biblical scholars that Mark refers to himself when he talks about a young man with a linen of cloth around himself in Mark chapter 14. Mark 14, 48 through 53, just bear me with you just a little while. And Jesus answered and said to him, Are you come out as against a thief with sword and with staves to take me? I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and you took me not. But the scripture must be fulfilled. And they all forsook him and fled. And there followed him a certain young man, having a linen cloth cast about his naked body. And the young man, uh, man laid hold on, hold on him. And he left the linen cloth and, and fled from them naked. And, and they led Jesus away to the high priest. And with him was assembled all the chief priests and, uh, and the elders and the scribes. So some believe that Mark was referring to himself. Some scholars believe that this young man that was that was that was taken away that that the, the linen was taken away and he, he fled naked that he was actually referring to himself, and so surely his naked flight left him ashamed. How the crowd must have hooted and laughed as he ran. Can you imagine the crowd just just mocking him as he was running? You know, and he 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 thought he was bold. He he he, he thought that he was going to go out there. In fact, the, uh, scholars believe that the, that that John Mark was actually on his way to go let the Lord know that he was fixing to become apprehended. And I don't know how true all, all, this, all this is, but it's very interesting uh, uh, that, they would, that, would, that they would make this, uh, uh, you could say, uh, observation. And some believe that Mark knew that we're, we're, what was going to happen, so... He knew the soldiers had come, uh, had come for Jesus because they first came to her mother, um, his mother, all right? So when we, when, we, when we hear next about him in the Bible is when uh, John Mark volunteers to go on a mission trip, missionary trip with Paul and Barnabas. What a great adventure. Can you imagine him, him being a young man? And he, he, he enrolls, and, 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 and actually he goes on the first missionary trip with Paul and Barnabas. Can you imagine how the glee in his mother's eye? You know, my boy's going out with the great apostle Paul and with Barnabas. Can you imagine? Can you imagine, you know, him going, how, how some, some young men might have envied him? <laughs> I was like, man, you're going to get to go preach with the apostle Paul? You're going to go on his ministry team? Can you imagine, uh, you know, him saying, "All right, guys, I'm, I'm out. I'm leaving. I'm going. I'm, I'm going." You know, and he, I, I just, I, I just, just, I'm trying to imagine and picture that day. Whenever I was reading that com, whenever I was reading that commentary, I was trying to imagine and just picture how he must have felt. Because we all know the story. How many of you know? How many read this? How do you know the story of Mark? How many of you know? How many of you know where I'm going with this? 
Why, why do I talk about Mark? Because he went out and he ventured on this great missionary trip. But somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way, I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was because Paul was harsh and brash and was making this boy, I don't know if it was because he was a gopher. How many know what a gopher is? Go for this, go for that. Hey, can you, go for, can you go fetch me this? Can you go fetch me that? I don't know if, if that was it. I don't know what made him. I don't know if it was because he was, the Apostle Paul was fearless and he would just go into some of these, he would just go into some of these uh, 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 cities that he knew that hated Christianity and he knew that they opposed Christianity as such that they would be persecuted and it didn't stop them. I don't know if that was what caused John Mark to come back. I don't know what it was. But the fact of the matter is that somewhere along the way, John Mark gave up and went back home. Can you imagine how he felt then? <laughs> Walking through his city. He's like, hey, man, hey, John Mark, hey, what's going on, man? What, what happened? Oh, man. He's dodging everybody, probably. Can you imagine how he felt? Hey, John Mark, what's going on? Hey, hey. trying to dodge the bullet, trying to walk around. I'm just trying to picture the situation. Because I know, what, I, I know that John Mark experienced shame. He was the first one to split a missionary journey. Do you all remember that part? John, it, was, it was Barnabas. And it was and it was uh, Barnab it was Barnabas and it was Paul, and he said, "Hey, take John Mark." And then he's like, "No, we want." And they said, "Well, okay, I'll take John Mark, and you take." He took Silas. Paul took Silas. Can you imagine him just standing there? I mean, there was a confrontation. It was public. It was. I mean, it's recorded in the scripture. It was a dialogue. This wasn't somewhere outside. It was something public. Can you imagine John Mark standing and the, and the Apostle Paul is rejecting you because you gave up and you went back? And so he was standing. Can you imagine the shame, the guilt he might have felt for doing that? He's like, man... Like, can, you, can we keep this in a room or something? Or why? I'm talking about they, they, they spoke out. I'm, there, was, there was actually, I wanna, I'm going to see, uh, there was a word. There was, um, they actually went, there was actually uh, some kind of, there was a confrontation. And so, <clears throat> all right. So some here might be relating to Mark. Some here might be relating to Mark. Uh, the one that we just read about. And maybe are dealing with some failures because of shame. I mean, I mean, dealing with shame because of some failures. But there's a reason why I read the end of the story at the beginning. We all, we, we know the scripture. We know that, I, that Timothy told Timothy, hey, bring Mark with you. Why? He's profitable for me for ministry. This is years later. 
And I've always asked myself, why did he discard him at one time? And why is he asking for him later on? I've always asked myself. I remember uh, Pastor McElhaney standing up here and preaching and talking about John Mark. And I was always intrigued by that story. And so I remember him talking about it. I remember him talking about uh, uh, Mark's rejection. I mean, Paul's rejection. But I've always asked myself, why is it that now years later, Paul is asking, hey, bring him to me. Bring Mark with you. He's profitable for me for the ministry. And I've come to believe, I don't know, could have been Barnabas, his, because Barnabas was his uncle, and he was a son of encouragement. And maybe, he would, maybe, maybe Barnabas had finally got to a place where he finally encouraged him enough to be bold. I don't know if that was the case. Or could it be that he had a prayer, prayerful mother? Could it be that his mama's prayers got him to a place where he finally was profitable for the Apostle, Apostle Paul? What could have been that Mark refused to die in his shame? I tend to believe that it was a combination of all three. Why? Because we all do need encouragement whenever we fall. And we all do need prayer whenever we fall and we fail. But above that, we need to talk to ourselves and say, I am getting out of this one. It's not enough for a preacher to sit up here and say, you can make it. God wants to give you revival. God wants to help you. God wants to restore you. God wants to show you the way out. It's not enough for you to get into prayer. I'm talking about you've got to say, I am willing. I am, I'm, not, I'm refusing today to die in the situation that I'm in. And I believe that John Mark got to a place that, yes, he did come back. And yes, he did come back, and he didn't get to experience that crusade with the Apostle Paul and Barnabas. But I believe that, the, that, that, that Mark got to a place where he came back, and he said, You know what? I am picking myself up, and I'm going to make a difference in the city that I am living in and in the condition that I'm living right now. A lot of times, that's what we ought to do. Yes, you fall. Yes, you fail. But you just got to say, You know what? I'm done with this guilt. I'm done with this shame. Yes, I feel. Yes, I've, I'm not, I'm not, maybe I'm not the best preacher. Maybe I'm not the best at this. Maybe I'm not the best at that. And you, and you, and you beat yourself up and you, you get discouraged and you get hopeless. And then you decide to throw in the towel. Well, all the while, God is not done with you. I love, I love talking to myself. I've said it here before, and I said I think I taught it. I, so when I drive by myself, I actually turn off the radio. I don't really like listening to the radio. I like to talk to myself sometimes. I, I really do. And, but, and there's countless times, Pastor, where I felt like, man, well, where, where's God? What's going on? You know, what, what, like, what is going, what's going on right now? What is, 
I'm finding myself in this season. I don't know where God is right now particularly, and I don't know exactly what God wants you to do, wants me to do. But then again, I always remind you, there's a reason why you brought me out of the world that, that, that I lived in. Amen. There's a reason why you saved me, and that has kept me, and I've talked to myself, and there's been more times that I've preached to myself. I don't understand why somebody has to continually be over somebody's shoulder and letting them know that they can do it. You've got to a place where you've got to pat yourself in the back every once in a while and say, you know what, Ariel, you can do it. Get up. Get up. Get going. Come on. Get up. Get going. Amen. I don't understand people sometimes, Pastor, that they have to constantly get phone calls to come to the church of God. Amen. You've got, we have all got, God wants us to mature and get to a place where we come to the house of God and we're mature enough to not only come to the house of God, but we're mature enough to we get to a place where we encourage other people. It is not the, it's not the job of the church to constantly encourage you. There's times where you got to, like David, encourage yourself in the Lord I'd have never understood that salvation is the gift of God it is the love of God and if we are saved today it's because God has something special in mind for us why throw that away over guilt why throw that away over shame why throw that away over somebody that doesn't shake your hand that somebody doesn't talk to you or somebody doesn't I'm telling you folks We've been given something special whenever we receive salvation. We've been given something precious. If I live today, I, can't, I, I look around and I'm just, I wonder myself, I look at my friends, some of them, their lives are just a mess. And I've ministered to my friends. I've talked to them. They know I, I, come, from, I come from a meth, meth, meth addiction. And I've talked to them. I know, I, I know exactly where you are, man. I know sometimes you feel hopeless, right? And I know sometimes you feel like you're not going to make it out of that, right? Well, let you know, I want to let you know that I'm a living testimony that if you're willing to give your life to God, God is able to help you and to restore you and bring you out of that mess. But we've got to get to a place where we learn to encourage ourselves and just like Mark, decide to say, you know what, Ariel, you're going to wake up early in the morning and you're going to make it today. Ariel, come on. You are, you, right now, you might be going through a season where you feel like you're not fruitful in evangelism, but that's not the end of your ministry, Ariel. God still has... I want to talk to somebody today. Maybe, maybe back then you used to soul win. Maybe back then you used to testify. Maybe back then you used to teach Bible studies. Guess what? We're fixing to go to revival, and back then isn't going to cut it. You're going to have to learn to say, you know what? If back then I did it, I can do it one more time. If back then you used to pray, I just want to let you know you can start praying today like you prayed back then. I want to let you know God has not thrown your life away. God has not thrown away your ministry because you decided like John Mark, it got a little hard. It got a little weary. It got a little tiresome. And you decided to throw the Bible off to the side. And you decided to throw prayer off to the side. And now you find yourself in a place where guilt and shame is plaguing you. And now... I'm telling you, folks, I want to stir somebody up because I believe that God has tremendous, well, I'm telling you, potential isn't enough. 
It does you no good to have potential if you're not acting upon that potential. And I believe we've got all the potential to be a powerhouse apostolic church thriving in this city. Why not? Why not? We've got awesome pastors and pastors' wives that still stand up and preach Acts 2.38, the only message that we need to have revival. Why not? God has given us the baptism of the Spirit. Why not? Why not be an apostolic powerhouse and lighthouse in this city? And I believe we are. But I still believe that there are still a lot of miracles that we haven't even touched yet. I still believe there's still ministries that we haven't even touched yet. But God is waiting on some of us. Come on, John Mark. Yes, you failed. Yes, you turned around for just a little while. Yes, you quit studying like you used to study. Yes, you quit praying and fasting like you used to fast. Amen. But I want to let you know it's time to get back on the ball again because there's still road ahead of you. I'm telling you, that's why I love it. His mercy and his grace is ocean deep. Quit beating yourself up. I'm talking, I'm preaching to myself, I think, maybe more than I'm preaching to y'all right now. Ariel, quit beating yourself up because you're not praying and you're not fasting you're not, and you're not studying like you used to. It's time to get back on it again, baby. Let's go. We got some work to do. I want to preach it to where we're living. I just want to, I, I wish I could just shake us. I don't know if I'm doing a good job about it or not, but I just want to let you know, please don't give up on yourself because God is not willing to let you go. You might not feel adequate. You might not feel adequate. Well, I don't got the strength. I don't got the voice. I don't know all the scripture. Listen, you don't have to know everything to share hope and to share love and to share care with somebody else. You don't got to, you don't got to be a theologian. You don't got to be a theologian to share the hope that lies within us. I went to Bible college and I did study theology. Quickly found out, they told me in Bible school, you better be a minister over a theologian. Because all theology does, it sits you behind a desk and renders you useless and you can't do anything in the kingdom. But if we learn to minister... then we can do something absolutely powerful for God. I have an uncle. I think I shared, my, I shared my story. I mean, I'm talking about this man doesn't even hold a card with no church, but has prayed a lot of people through. And God has used them to bring healing for cancer. And God has used them tremendously in, in, uh, in, 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 in just... I'm in healings, and I remember he talks. He talks about a story about a about a man that was drunk. Talked to him, 
prayed for him, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He, he, he was at, somebody was at uh, his friend's house doing a service call, talked to him, invited him, went to hometown buffet, prayed him through in a hometown buffet. That's a golden corral. That's a Southern California golden corral, pretty much. And prayed him through in a restaurant. I want us to stand. 